Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to take a look at a couple of Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 23, and we'll read verses 17 and 18. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of Jehovah all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. And here in in these verses, uh, we would think, well, um, this is obvious, uh, and yet God uh, feels it is um, a wise thing, as the book of Proverbs are full of uh, words of wisdom. God uh, considers it a wise thing to tell his people, because he is speaking to the, the child of God. Notice when he, he says, do not let your heart envy sinners but be in the fear of Jehovah all the day long. Well, who would be in the fear of Jehovah but the child of God? And and then in speaking directly to the believer, he says, surely there is an end. Well, you know, sometimes we we think we uh we know things and 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 we do we we've heard them and god has definitely taught about the end of the world all throughout the bible he he consistently brings it up as a, a very important teaching of the word of god it it is from the very beginning in the book of genesis all the way through revelation god makes reference to man's um, own end individually through death and reference to the world's end through its destruction at the end of the world. And yet, here, here the Lord um, thinks it, it uh, is necessary to remind his people and to confirm it and, and to say it with definitiveness and and to let us know there's no doubt about it for surely there is an end and you know I, I think it's a good thing for us to consider at this point in time and we'll talk about why um, it's a good thing for us to to go over and to think about and and to be admonished by God concerning this a little later on. Let, let's start in verse 17, where God, first of all, says, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of Jehovah all the day long. Now, which day is God referring to? Is it just a day in general, uh, a 24-hour period? Or is it perhaps a spiritual day? Because the Bible does refer to the day of salvation and also to the day of judgment. Well, 
it appears that God wrote these verses in such a way so that any believer, true believer, at any time in history, reading them could have um, application to their particular time or to their day. And, uh, for instance, anyone in the past, in the first century A.D. or the 10th century or the 20th century could read and uh, and hear God speaking to them. Don't let your heart envy sinners today. Uh, rather, instead of envying sinners, be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. And that would be an excellent way to start their day. And And they could have that in mind when they see some um, sinful activity. And remember, God says that sin has certain pleasures for only a season, but it does have certain pleasures that are very attractive to the the flesh, to uh, mankind. And, and, and so God says, now don't envy man and his sinful pleasures but rather be in the fear of the Lord today. And and so, yes, that did have application at any time. Someone could read that and, and receive good instruction, good counsel from God on how to live a day or live over a period of time that God would identify as a day. And And these words are very fitting also for our present time of the day of salvation. But let's just think of the day here as a, a reference to the day of judgment, to a prolonged period of time in which God is judging the world. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Are we tempted to envy today at this time? Well, yes. Uh, without any question, because God has um, opened up the the understanding of uh, people in the world uh, to technology over the last couple of centuries, so that they have been able to develop all kinds of exciting things that that the world has fallen greatly in love with 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 phones and computers and and all the technology and, and all the electronic devices that result that are also um, able to be used in in uh, a big way towards sinful endeavors. The the world uh, can use these things to conduct sinful business and seek sinful pleasures and that's exactly what much of the world is doing now god did it for his own purposes and reasons one of which was to reach billions of people with the gospel at a time when the churches had fallen away and and no longer uh, were to be used and could not be used and and so god um, allow the electronic medium to develop and grow to the point that a few, his elect, could faithfully proclaim the word of God and over 
radio and internet and, and, uh, satellite, uh, broadcasting. They could reach out to all the people of the nations of the world. So really it was, it was, uh, excellent plan by God to finally allow man to make advances in the electronic medium at exactly the time it would be necessary with the world's population explosion and the failure of the New Testament churches to be faithful at exactly the time that God intended to save a great multitude and proclaim to the world uh, the proclamation of May 21, 2011, Judgment Day, and, and so forth. So it served God's purposes, but man uses it for his own evil intent and continues to use it. And, and yet here are the true believers living in the world in the day of judgment and the electronic medium is all around them. You know, just just think of the difference. We are living in a different age, a different time than ever before in history. Now, just think for thousands of years, for uh, the vast majority of the world's history, uh, mankind has gotten around with horse and buggy, and and there has been no TV, there has been no radio, there has been no internet, uh, there there has been no phones, and it, it was all um, just by letter, uh, by post. If anyone wanted to communicate with someone over there, and and so for thousands of years, up until relatively recently, just 150, 200 years ago, things began to change and. And real progress began to be made in um, transportation and communication, and and you know communication God touched on as um, a very important way of uh, evil spreading. Or when we look at the Tower of Babel in the Book of Genesis, mankind at that point all. Uh, spoke one language and were able to communicate with one another very well. And, and they were communicating together in order to build a tower that was uh, evil. It, it was trying to reach unto heaven to make a name for themselves in a way that God never wanted man to do. And, and so they were banding together for their own evil purposes. And what was God's plan to um, to discourage them and and to slow down their evil progress? He confounded their language at the Tower of Babel, and suddenly uh, there were Chinese, and and suddenly there were Egyptians or or people who spoke different languages. They could not understand one another, and they began to go into their own groups and into their own lands, and there was separation due to the lack of ability to communicate, and this really slowed the progress of evil, if we can use the word progress and evil together. It slowed the 
advance of evil in the world because God had many things he wanted to uh, carry out over the course of history. Uh, he, he had to um, have all the Old Testament uh, occurrences and events take place in order to uh, illustrate the gospel uh, in historical parables. He had to have Christ come at a precise time. He had to evangelize the nations over the course of the church age and 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 so on. So there was much to still to be done, many elect still to be born in all these generations and and so God could not allow man to uh, make such advances in evil very quickly and when he could communicate with each other easily, then uh, evil uh, resulted. Therefore, he uh, confused their tongues and confounded their languages, and, and this slowed that advance of evil. But once the electronic medium was opened up, then communication began to take place. Uh, once again, people from America could... Um, immediately communicate with people from China and people from China with Russia and India and Africa and in the world began to be able to speak with one another in actual time. They, they could, they could, uh, communicate with one another. And of course, uh, a translation of, of language as well as much of the world adopting a, a few Key languages enabled the world to once again communicate. And this ability to communicate uh, instantaneously has also opened up sin like never before in history because now someone with an evil mind, and of course man uh, deep down uh, he has a desperately wicked heart, a heart that is uh, of stone, the Bible says. In Genesis 6, verse 5, before God destroyed the world, he said, the thoughts of man's heart were only evil continually. That's the nature of man's heart, always. But uh, God has restrained sin in man's heart so that sinful things would come out, but but they would be restrained in large part. Except, um, there's always been men that, that would be more evil than another man. Or, let's put it this way, that the uh, evil within him was able to surface more in this individual than in other individuals. And, and therefore people would say, oh, that's a really bad man or an evil man. And, and God warns about pointing fingers because all have sinned, and there's none good, no, not one, but there is varying degrees of expression to evil, and and that's what a murderer is, even today. Uh, A terrorist, someone who gives greater expression to the evil in their heart, we tend to think is a really evil person, And, and yet it's just someone who is acting out What's in all the unsaved, in all their hearts, 
but this person, for whatever reason, has no constraint or or little constraint upon that evil. And 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 now though in our day of modern communication, someone who has an evil mind can put their evil thoughts uh, on screen or on paper and they can put it out there so everyone sees it in this world with technology when when people are involved in these evil activities they spread the evil quickly and widely to all the earth anyone potentially in the world today through their phone even in the poorest countries to their tv set or the computer they they have access to the evil it, it's similar today to the the great temptation satan thought it was a great temptation when he was tempting the lord in the wilderness and he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and the glory of them as in a moment and and said now if you fall down and worship me i'll give you all these things and that was the temptation to christ of course christ told him to depart and um, and only God was to be worshipped and served. But that idea of seeing all the glories of the world in an instant is exactly parallel, actually, to what is going on today with the electronic medium. There's the world. And, and, and so because of this, whatever our uh, sinful weaknesses, whatever our lustful desires are, whatever area we uh, could be tempted in is right there at our fingertips. It's right there. Now, in uh, go, in time past, uh, in the horse and buggy days, there was not that kind of temptation. The evil people of the world, which were many, were out there in varying various countries, and their evil thoughts and their evil designs were not able to reach the small villages and cities and towns uh, of another country. And even within that country, the evil people that were uh, scattered uh, all over the country were not able to reach that particular state or that particular city unless they came there physically or unless they wrote a letter a physical letter and posted it and and there there was much less ability for evil to travel and for evil to be communicated and and so we can look back and and we can think wow well can you imagine i i know uh, some people uh, are very comfortable with our modern technology and they do bring many comforts Many helps, uh, dishwashers and and um, air conditioners and things like this. But I, I tell you, I think I would make the trade of giving up those things to go back to a time where, yes, you're in your horse and buggy, and you're uh, you have your cabin, and and there's all the green trees and green grass, and and yet all the chatter, all the worldly evil chatter. All the things that the world is involved in is kept from you. 
it, it's removed from you. Not unless you buy a newspaper, and and even the news uh, media at that time, they they didn't have too much access to the things going on in the world. News traveled very slowly, and but you could find out some things, some evil things. But for the most part, um, man was ignorant of a great many evil occurrences and and thoughts that others were having. Now, didn't mean that there wasn't evil uh, out there and evil within. Yet, it, it was a much different age. Now, in our time, we we have to deal with the physical body if we're a child of God and its lusts, and this world, this present evil world, it's not going to change. It's not going to improve or get better. God has given man up in our time to a whole host of sins. And uh, like Pandora's box, it's never going back into the box. This is um, the nature of our present world. And, and God is, we can uh, certainly understand he's speaking to us. When he says, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of Jehovah all the day long. All the day long. Now let's go to Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, and I'll I'll read uh, the first few verses here. It says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now that would, that would be the a spiritual Israel, because only spiritual Israel, those that God saves, possess a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now let's go down to uh, verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued, and chastened every morning. um, If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. Now, uh, here in this psalm, uh, we're reading about a child of God that does fall into the sin, temporarily, of envying the foolish uh, when he sees their prosperity. And uh, and at the same time, he's witnessing the prosperity of the sinner. He himself is being chastened all the day long. Now, uh, remember when we, we uh, looked at um, the language of Hebrews 12, where God 
identifies chastening every son that he receiveth and ties it in with Christ's example uh, as Jesus underwent the wrath of God. He was scourged and chastened. And, and then Christ from the foundation of the world after experiencing the wrath of God is declared to be the son. And, and God says that he chastens every son and scourges that he receives or else you're not a son. And here we find ourselves going through the day of judgment and, uh, and it is a very much a time of chastisement to the sons of God, to the true children of God, who at the end will be received as sons and daughters. We will be received by the Father. Well, you can see the, the, the difference. On one hand, you have a world at ease, carefree, at least of spiritual concerns, and, and uh, indulging and enjoying the pleasures of sin that have greatly multiplied and exploded all over the world um, due to the increase of understanding in the electronic medium. And, and then, uh, in contrast, here is the child of God chastened, Every, and, and plague, because plagues identify with um, judgment. And we are, uh, remember the, the scriptures that say that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And the word appears to be made manifest. It's not as though the child of God is actually being judged or punished. No, but it's the appearance of it. It's the manifestation of what God did as he He did punish us in the person of Christ at the point of the world's foundation. And now in time, at the time of the end, Judgment Day, we are appearing before the judgment seat by still remaining on the earth and going through the prolonged Day of Judgment. And at the end, we will be found innocent. That will be the judge's uh, uh, verdict of all the elect. I find no fault in him or her. They are innocent in my sight. And, and that will be because there's no sin in us. Our sin has been paid for, all of our sin, by the Lord Jesus Christ. But... At this time, it's as though we're plagued and chastened. And when you're plagued and you're chastened, and right out your window, you can look over into your neighbor's yard, and and he's having a, a good old time, eating, drinking, and making merry, and and so forth. It it's a strong test. Uh, it and and that's what God is saying. It's a, a temptation to envy. And this man, uh, it's a psalm of Asaph, and it could be Asaph who's recording his own experience, and God is moving him to write. But uh, it is a true believer. says that he, he was envious until he understood their end. And then it speaks of, 
the wicked being set in slippery places and brought down to desolation in a moment. And that phrase, in a moment, ties in with this period of judgment day. And so the the child of God learns to look at the end of the wicked. As God says in our, our verse in Proverbs here, uh, after bringing up this whole idea of envying sinners and or not envying sinners, but rather being in the fear of the Lord. Why? Well, the next verse, for surely there is an end. The end of man is the remedy for envying um, the, the people around you, of envying those that are enjoying the sinful pleasures of the world. Just look at their end. And uh, when when they're dead, when they're gone, when they're annihilated, when they cease to exist, when their riches are uh, taken from them and removed, and when the riches themselves are destroyed, uh, just just consider um, how many cars will make it through the fervent fire that will melt the universe and melt this earth. Well, no cars. How many houses are going to make it through? How many um, beautiful places that people live in today will make it through the fiery destruction of the end of the world? Well, none will. And and how much money is going to be able to make it through? Well, the dollars will burn. What about the gold and silver? Well, God uses that as a figure and a type that uh, wood, hay, stubble will burn and and gold, silver, precious stones will endure, but that's just a type using an earthly illustration of an earthly fire. When it comes to the actual fire that will destroy the universe and the world, all of the material, all of the elements of this creation will be destroyed, including gold and silver. No money will make it through. No money is going to continue on at the end of this world. No valuables of any kind. No earthly relationships of marriage or of of being a father or a mother or uh, a son or a daughter. No love between, if if that's what it is, between a man and a woman outside of, since they're not saved, they, uh, they they may have some genuine affection for one another, but remember, God is love, and they never knew God. But but no relationships of any kind, nothing that man uh, considers um, important and and um, needful, and 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 that he longs after, and and so forth, and holds on to uh, in this life. Nothing of any of it will make it through the fiery wrath of God on the last day. It will all be burned up. And they themselves, the individual sinner, will be burned up and destroyed. And even then, the memory of the earth, the memory of the the people, the memory of the things they experienced and enjoyed the sinful pleasures that they preferred over God, all those things are destroyed along with them, never to be 
thought of or brought into remembrance again. Not for a split second will there be any consideration, any regard, any um, minor um, thinking or, or reference point of anything of this sin-cursed world or the sinners that lived upon it forevermore into eternity future. And and that's the end of the wicked that God is saying that uh, ought to be considered. And when a child of God does consider it, and he looks at, at this enormous contrast uh, with with what will happen to the believer and what will happen to the sinner, the individual who has no savior for their their sin, then uh, it, God is basically saying, "Look, that'll sober you up from uh, from drinking in sinful uh, envy. If, in, if that doesn't sober you up, if that doesn't get your mind thinking straight, then what will?" What more can God say than he has said to us in his word concerning things to come? Uh, these things are to be pondered, they're to be meditated on. And notice what the Lord says in Second Peter 3. In Second Peter 3, beginning in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come, will come, not well, yeah, the, the, the day of the Lord, we have, uh, we, we have, um, some hope to come, or, or the day of the Lord, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're really, um, looking forward that, that perhaps it will come someday. No, it's not, uh, indefinite at all. It's a very, uh, very absolute statement. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, we should mention that it has come. Christ did come as a thief on May 21, 2011. But there's more to the day of the Lord, which will include the utter literal destruction of of all of this particular creation, including the world and its sinful inhabitants. But let me keep reading. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then, now, now look what God just said. He, he just described the end of all things, the end of everything, and he said it with certainty. It will happen, and uh, you know this is this is God speaking. It's not um, some man who uh, who doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It it's not uh, some limited finite creature uh, who uh, thinks he knows things like like men today think they know all about the beginning of all things. Oh yes, billions of years ago. And, and man puffs out his chest and, and in pride and arrogance, really. It, he tells you all about how, uh, things began with a big bang that he really can't explain if you press him. And then he tells you how man got to be man 
through this long, drawn-out process of evolution that is uh, as ridiculous as anything you would ever hear, and yet he says with all confidence, this is how it happened, and uh, he'll, if you let him, sure, he'll talk about an end of the world millions or billions of years from now uh, as uh, due to some uh, physical uh, manifestation of some some kind, but uh, but uh, no 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 God no God in the beginning and no God in the end. Uh, that's one of the reasons why they won't admit there's a God in the beginning. Because if there's a God who began things and created, there's a God who will end things and destroy. And and so uh, of course these people resist. And refuse to acknowledge God will end the world. They they refuse to acknowledge He He began the world. But but notice here, God says uh, in verse eleven of Second Peter three, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. That is, look around at the world. Yes, I I I know it's here presently, and you can see it and feel it. And your senses perceive it. And it was here yesterday and the day before. And it's been here uh, for as long as any of us know. It's always been here. And the world acts as this, as if it will always continue. As though this world is going to exist forevermore. Sure, they're certain of that. And, and, and yet God is saying, uh, these things shall be dissolved. Again, a very definite statements. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? In other words, in the fear of the Lord all the day long. You see, this is the problem that the church has today. It's the problem that people have even outside the church today that no longer want to hear about what the Bible says regarding the end of the world, regarding judgment day, regarding so much that we've learned that God has opened up at the time of the end. The problem is, God says, be in the fear of Jehovah all the day long. And and when you understand their end, you cease to envy the wicked. And when you're looking for, as it says here in verse 12 of Second Peter 3, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the word looking is a word that uh, identifies with a, a, a fervent gaze. You, you, you can't take your eyes off of it. It's the word that was used in Acts 28 when uh, Paul was bitten by the viper that came out of the heat and and the barbarians or the natives of the island of Malta, they looked closely to see if he would fall down and die. They couldn't take their eyes off because they knew it was a poisonous viper that that would kill any man. And, and so they were waiting, looking and waiting for Paul to fall down dead, and he did not. And that's the word God is using here, looking for and hasting 
unto the coming of the day of God. Hasting is a word that expresses uh, a desire to approach unto. You you want to get to that point. Uh, you know, I, I I recently was interviewed on uh, a radio program, and I made some sort of comment that um, the host picked up on because I was saying, uh, speaking of the end in a positive way for the true believers that that oh this is something wonderful and he picked up on that and he said it that that's how it sounded to him like you're talking about the end of the world as though it's something great that those aren't his exact words but that was the idea and he was right and i i explain no it's not great that people uh the unsaved will suffer and die uh, you know, uh, I, as well as other believers, have loved ones we do love and care for, and we don't want harm to them, and we don't want them to die. But at the same time, we are children of God, and God has said to us in his word, the Bible, many things concerning the end of the world. And the end of the world is not a negative thing for the child of God, but it's a very positive thing. It's a very good thing, because at that point, God will fulfill all the the promises of the Bible towards uh, his people. He will complete the salvation of the, the redeemed sinner at that point. I, I mean, here we are struggling with this earthly body, a body that's still contaminated with sin, and it's a cause of grief to us when we do fall into sin, and so we look forward to the day that we receive our new resurrected spiritual body, and that comes at the end of the world. And and that body is perfect and eternal, and and God says there's no more pain no more tears, no more death. Uh, who wouldn't look forward to receiving that kind of body, especially as this uh, present corrupt body is is getting more and more corrupt and aging and failing uh, in ill health uh, on a daily basis as we go uh, progress through time in this world and. Yet comes the day when we receive a new body to join our new soul. We become one new whole personality. And it's all wonderful. It's all uh, incredibly wonderful that now we have a body where there'll be no illness. There'll be no uh, failures and, and death. But it will uh, remain constantly strong, constantly healthy, constantly um, in, in perfect working condition forever, and and that lies just ahead at the end of the world. And further, the the world, this sin cursed earth that um, goes through trauma constantly with hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis and 
um, disease, Ebola and, and, and AIDS and, and all the, the things that afflict mankind through the creation, through the, the effects of God's curse upon the creation. Well, God will destroy the world and recreate a new heaven and a new earth a new dwelling place that will uh, likewise be perfect without any um bramble bush or or briars and thorns with without any uh poisonous plants or animals that would devour you it will be a perfect creation in which God's perfect people will walk. And there in that creation that God will uh, have newly formed will be God himself dwelling with his people. And 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 then just the thought of that, of being with God and able to communicate directly with him just today we have the Bible and we have prayer. So yes, we can hear God speak to us through his word, the Bible, and we can communicate to him through prayer and speak back to him. But God is speaking of a whole different level of communication when he says that he will be in our midst as he does in, in the last couple chapters of Revelation, that he will be with us uh, he was Emmanuel, God with us, when he entered into the world. And Jesus walked amongst men. God, the creator, walked amongst the creatures. And we read the gospel accounts and we stand in awe and, and wonder. There was God speaking a parable. And, and there was Jesus explaining to the disciples. And there was Jesus teaching over here and and uh, casting out a little bit on a boat and teaching the multitudes over there and and we see God's um tendency to teach and we see God's people's tendency to learn to listen to soak it in and and to gain knowledge uh through hearing the Lord Jesus Christ and and that's exactly what the people of God uh, did in person when Christ dwelt amongst them. It's what the people of God have done throughout history as as uh, the Lord went to heaven, but he left us his word, the complete word of God, the Bible. And God's people are drawn to it. We're, we're drawn to it like a deer panteth after the water brooks and we go to the Bible to listen to the words of Christ. And that awaits the child of God. In person, there is Jesus. And, and just think of all the Bible verses that, that are still mysterious and difficult and complex. And we, we shake our head. What is God saying here? Well, oh Lord, Lord. Uh, over here, this, this word that endureth forever, uh, I don't know how that'll be, but, but it's, it's just relating the idea that over here in this chapter and verse, what do you mean? And then he can explain 
personally to the child of God that asked that question. And I'm sure as Christ is explaining personally, many will gather around. And and God could also, of course, maintain the same ability to speak individually, one-on-one with one person, while being available to communicate with all the other children of God, in all likelihood 200 million of them, at once, if necessary. That's how God is today, isn't it? If we all prayed to God at one time, would he be overloaded? Would he not be able to receive all the prayers of all the saints because 150 million prayed at one time? No, he would hear each prayer and and no difficulty. Uh, that's the enormous uh, ability of the infinite God of the Bible. Uh, he is glorious in his being. And, and I don't know how he could speak to one individual, but he will. And, you know, here's just a personal comment. Uh, some of the best times I can remember were uh, going to the Family Radio Bible Conferences and being able to corner Mr. Camping and to have two or three verses and questions and, and uh, you know, hadn't seen him for a few months since the last conference and I would make sure I write it down. And I tried to catch up to him at some point in the channel line or as he walked along when uh, there weren't crowds around him. And if if that was uh, a blessing, and it was, can you imagine being able to to do that with Christ himself, the one who imparted the knowledge to Mr. Camping and all of his people, all the saints, the one uh, who is knowledge himself. Just uh, imagine approaching the Lord Jesus Christ himself and and asking, tell me, Lord, um, I know the Bible says you're eternal and you've you've always existed from everlasting past. And you are eternal God. Can you explain that? Can you explain how you have no beginning? Or you could say to him, uh, I imagine that would be quite an answer. Or you could ask Christ, uh, tell me, Lord, what have you been doing from all eternity past before you created this world? And can, can and then you just sit back and take it in. And if if there's pen and paper in heaven, I'm sure the child of God is, would be writing it down uh, in in tremendous enjoyment because we love to learn and to hear the the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, um, I got off course here, but God says, surely there is an end, and His thine expectation shall not be cut off. And uh, that's very important for us to keep in mind at this time when the world has has put itself at ease. The world has determined there is no end now uh, because after they heard as never before 
with that worldwide proclamation, May 21, 2011, Judgment Day, and and uh, it disturbed them greatly. But when the day came and apparently passed without incident, of course, nothing did happen physically, outwardly with the observable eye, and therefore to them nothing happened because they don't have a, a, a spiritual element. They're dead in spirit in the world, and the world operates in the physical realm. Well, after having that threat pass, the world has greatly relaxed and now dismisses any kind of thought of the world ending. Uh, just, just come on, come on. We we went over that, and it's very obvious. This is the mindset of the world at this time. The world uh, has concluded there is no end. That is the conclusion of the world and and basically of the church because they don't talk about it they if you bring it up they'll say no man knows a day or hour uh, and and they they dismiss it um by superficially and casually and wrongly referring to a bible verse that they have no understanding of well the world has dismissed it and the church which is a part of the world has dismissed it but god God, though, has not dismissed the idea of the end of the world. The men say it will not end. Not God. God says, surely there is an end. Surely there is an end. Because if there is no end, God is a liar. If there is no end, then God cannot fulfill his promises. If there is no end then uh, then uh, God would not be true. Uh, he would not be faithful. He would not be God if there is no end. So surely there is an end. You can be certain of it. God is guaranteeing it. There is an end. It, it's a very uh, direct statement. Very clear, very understandable, right to the point. There is an end. And how does God know it? Because he declared the end from the beginning. We read in Isaiah 46.10. He has already declared it. He has spoken it in his word. And, and therefore, whatever God promises in his word will be fulfilled. Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill the scriptures that spoke of him. Well, there are many scriptures that speak of the end of the world. They will be fulfilled. Now, since they will be fulfilled, since there is an end, can you think of a better time than October 7th, 2015? at a time when the world is given over to to tremendous evil and iniquity, when uh, gay marriage is the norm? Can you think of a better time than when the church is fallen away and spiritually desolate as this church is? Can you think of a better time 
than the ten thousandth day since judgment began at the house of God, or the sixteen hundredth day since May 21, 2011, which would complete the, the testing of God's people with the fortieth forty falling on October 7th, 2015? Or can you think of a better time than the last day of harvest and the last day of tabernacles falling on that particular date that is also that ten thousandth day of overall judgment. It, it is a, a excellent time for God to fulfill all the things of his word, all the promises to uh, raise up his people at the last day, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.